Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliet Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Tony Martinetti to the podcast. Tony is a mentor, a leadership advisor, a career navigator and the host of the Virtual Campfire podcast. Here he talks about some of his tips and experiences throughout his career and his new book coming out soon, Climbing the Right Mountain. So welcome, Tony. Lovely to speak to you again today. Oh, same here. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I love this topic we're going to be talking about today. So I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Um, So Tony, you and I met through uh, Business Mastermind and you saw my blog on Quiet Leadership. So I'd really like to ask you your thoughts on quiet leadership. Yeah, it's funny, but quiet leadership, um, quiet leadership is powerful leadership because there's an element of understanding that it's not about being paid by the amount of words you put into the room. It's about really seeing that by stepping back and observing what's happening and knowing when to speak up, um, there's power in that um, because you're listening and taking in a lot more information when you're not uh, waiting for your turn to speak up and say, you know, to get your word quota met. Um, I've seen this throughout the years and I never quite understood whether or not I was a quiet leader until I started to see it for myself and to really reflect on it. And realize that I I may be one, <laughs> and I do <laughs> and I do now associate myself with uh, with that that crew. I love the words you used to describe it there, but, um, and those words definitely are a pattern in what I'm seeing when I'm talking to people. You know that observation, that ability to see the whole field rather than just when you're in the in the throes of it, just seeing that tunnel vision almost. Um, but I'm interested in at what point you discovered that the quiet leader in you? Yeah, I have to admit it wasn't um, until this past year when we all moved into the world of Zoom and spent a lot of time on, you know, in the virtual screens that I really recognized it. Um, And I noticed it because I was also seeing it in other people too, that I started to reflect back on myself and said, wait a minute, that's me. This is what I do. You know, I noticed that there were a lot of people coming to me and saying, well, I can't seem to get all the voices heard on the Zoom calls. And how do I get them to do that? And I said to myself, well, not everyone's comfortable sharing what they want to share on a virtual screen. You got to create a space for them to share, but um, also represent, um, understand that not everyone's the same. Not everyone, you know, puts their voice in the room in the same way. Um, And I found myself when I was on Zoom calls, um, it's different when you're one-on-one. Obviously, if I was, you know, (laughs) being quiet on a one-on-one call, that'd be weird. Um, But when I'm in a bigger room, um, I didn't feel forced into, you know, putting my voice in there, but I heard all the people talking. I felt myself saying like, it's okay. I don't have to, 
I don't have to force myself into a room. I don't have to force myself into the conversation, but I do have an opinion and I do have a lot of things to say. And you know what, when the time comes, I know I'll be ready to say what is important to me. And that's when I started to realize, wait a minute, that's exactly the kind of strength that uh, a quiet leader embodies. I am fascinated that you discovered it through the past year, that pandemic. Yeah. And I wonder, because you you successfully worked in corporate, you know, in finance and strategy, mm-hmm. and you worked in, you know, the sciences organization. And yes. um, I wondered, do you recognize yourself as a quiet leader now looking back? Yes. Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> I do, but I, I often force myself into these places where I, I felt like I had to meet a certain um, persona. You know, often, you know, you, you have this natural style and adapted style, and I try to adapt into a world where um, you're, um, if you don't speak up, you don't get recognized. When I tried to adapt, I felt like this isn't me. This is not who I am. Um, I felt like I was just out of my own style. And that's the world I lived in. And I think we all live in that world where, you know, oftentimes you, you need to be loud because if you don't speak, say something loud, then what happens is you don't, you're not, you don't feel like you're contributing. We need to have environments where you can, it's, it's okay not to be the loudest person in the room and still feel like you add value. And what I recognize too, because I worked with a lot of scientists and in fact, even coaching wise, I coach with quite a few scientists who move into leadership positions. And the challenge is just that there's a lot of scientists who don't have that bravado, but they have a, obviously have so many great things to say and share. So it's about helping them to kind of embrace that voice and use it for in the way that they, they find power, you know, just to kind of like tap into that for a moment to say, there's a super superhero within that, um, that needs to come out. Um, and when you can find that power to use the voice in the right way, then it can really amplify them. But when you try to do it in the wrong way, when you try to adapt to the style that other people use, um, it doesn't come across the right way. It comes across as like inauthentic. Um, and you feel as though you are stressed out because you're trying to do something that you're not meant to be doing. There's so much of the words you describe and your background that it feels like I'm looking at myself sometimes. It completely resonates with me. <laughs> completely In here. Yeah, it's, it's really quite strange for me because <laughs> um, I always thought I was really weird. And, and I akined it to, when I worked in corporate, I akined it to, you know, it was, it was the environment. But you're absolutely right that, you know, being able to, leaders and teams being able to create that space that people can share because it might not just be the environment it might be something else you know it might be one individual one leader who isn't allowing that that space yeah. so i listened to some of your podcasts and you talked about be feeling like a square peg in a round hole yeah and i you know that feeling is something that i felt for a multitude of reasons um and i'll start with um one of the main reasons why I felt that is because I was an artistic child, very um, skilled at painting and drawing. And I did a lot of these, um, these paintings and drawings were interestingly enough about creating environments, rooms and, um, and houses and things like that, that had different environments and feels. 
And people saw that and they said, this, you're really good at this. Um, eventually I was going to go to become an architect. In fact, I was at the high school level, you know, in advanced placement art, all this kind of stuff. And, um, some of the, some of the, my, um, adults in my life were saying, gosh, you really got to think about doing something a little more uh, serious because if you're going to make a living, you need to find something serious to do this. So I decided to switch gears and go into pre-med. I was going to be a radiologist. So I switched from this artistic person to, uh, you know, the science side of things. Cause I had an interest in science, but I was more, okay. I'm moving into this new world. And then I found that to be not quite the right path for me. And then eventually miss, um, you know, shifted into business and, you know, so here's this person who's already feeling a little bit lost and trying to figure out well, where do I fit in? I mean, I can fit in all these worlds. I feel a little bit like, um, uh, a shapeshifter of sorts that can, can blend and uh, fit in. But ultimately I never felt like I fit in well because I was trying to adapt to something that doesn't really fit well for me. Mm. And I went about my business and um, I kind of stuffed down who I really was, put on a really brave face for everyone who was around me. And they saw this person who was making things happen, being successful. Um, but I always felt like I was, oh, there's something missing. There's something missing in my life. And that all started to kind of wear on me as I made it to my later part of my career. And it started to get really depressed and I ended up becoming burnt out because I was serving a master that wasn't me. And that's where that element of really being a square peg in a round hole. And I'm glad that I've you know realized that at my darkest points, something's got to give, I got to do something different because it actually got me to to really flip the script and say, wait a minute, I don't have to fit myself into a box. I don't have to prescribe to the things that people have told me I need to do. I can write my own story. I can create my own way of doing things. And if people like it, they can come along. If they don't, it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to go my own way. Do you think, because I work uh, a lot of schools and, uh, and talk about careers a lot, do you, I guess there's two questions. One, do you think if you had more support at a younger age that recognize mm. strengths and skills that somebody has, particularly those who, you know, because young people are very, you know, they're influential um, yeah. and they also are heavily influenced by their peers. Do you mm. think if you had more support, it might have been different? I absolutely love this question because there's something about this which brings up so many things for me because I think we need more of that, I don't call it intervention, but that, that um, element of getting people thinking bigger about who they want to be when they grow up and really start to explore, you know, what do you need to be thinking that way? Um, not to like nail down, you are going to be a doctor, you're going to be a, you know, a lawyer, that kind of thing, but more to help them, to give them the tools to explore those things. Um, and to really start to connect with, you know, how do I find fulfillment? How do I connect with not being alone or feeling like I'm lost? I would love to see more of that in, a, in, in the world. Um, but one thing that is, I also want to point out is that 
I often say like, I'm so thankful for the, for the journey and the challenges that have brought me here. You know, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. At the same time, if I had somebody who could have helped me to avoid some of those challenges, by all means, that's fantastic. We should have people who are helping us to avoid pitfalls. Like we shouldn't want to suffer, but at the same time, if you do suffer, learn from it. So I think to answer your question in a more succinct way, I would say that, you know, having people at an earlier age to help you through those big hurdles um, with good advice, some good tools would be fantastic because you can avoid some of the challenges and you can make different mistakes. Do you think that um, some of those choices, and I'm I'm intentionally putting labels on this now, some of those choices would have been different for you if you had been more outspoken or extroverted, sharing your own thoughts at the time? Yeah, I hadn't connected the dots until just now. Uh, There's an element of, and this might be a common trait for quiet leaders, don't know, but I was a people pleaser. And maybe because of the fact that I was brought up in a place to really respect um, my, my elders and just kind of, you know, I had a, my parents were very much about, you know, giving me, you know, hard work, be polite to your elders, you know, make sure you're kind of always giving your best face forward. And so when you get into that mode of being a people pleaser and always being, doing your best, you, you tend to not question what's thrown at you. You kind of just go along to get along. And I think that's one of the things I'm starting to realize was, was kind of my operating, um, my operating system for most of my life. Whereas if I could have turned that around and said, wait a minute, I can create whatever I want right now. I have got the paintbrush and I'm the one who's, who's, who's painting this picture. I don't know. Things could have been different. They could have turned out a lot different. When you were younger and you were deciding, because you, you know, you talked about the arts um, and your love of science, mm. how did that manifest within education as you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because it's like when you're uh, extremely curious, like I am, and you know, there's a lot of people out there like this, um, you do need somebody to help you focus. Um, if you get like to that place where you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I could do, like, but what should I do? I think part of it is to know that there's plenty of time to explore all these things, but you need to narrow it down. There's a a thing I use in coaching, which is about expanding your vision and narrowing your focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it comes from this element of, I've always been that person who's like, ah, I've got so many things. Like my wife always says that I'm the person who's like distracted easily. You know, I see something, I'm like shiny, that's, that's me. But the reality is it's like, you got to step away from what you're doing. Look at what's around and, you know, see what lights you up. But when you do that, you have to also narrow down to say, what's my next step? What do I need to focus on right now so that I can take some action that informs my, my future? And I think ultimately for me, to come back to your question, it was like, really saying, okay, what is it that I want to do with what I've learned about myself at this point that could inform that next step? Like maybe I should have gone down that path of really seeing if architecture would have been the thing that at that point would have been meaningful to me. And I could have taken that and then married it up with something around sciences later or business later. 
you know, it's okay to have multiple careers in your life. In fact, it makes for a really rich life. I love the fact that I've kind of played in all those different worlds because I, I love when ideas come together from different, different disciplines, that convergence of thinking, divergent thinking being converged into, into different disciplines. So now I think it, it's made me into an interesting person because I'm able to play in those arenas and see how um, those ideas can be really interesting. I, I so agree. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. If we talk about your your corporate days and and the quiet leadership, how did you find your voice in that space in mm. what would have been sometimes challenging environments and situations that you had the courage to speak out when you are naturally quieter? Mm. It's a great question because... <laughs> most people who got to know me through the years, they realize something that I didn't notice. And that was that I wasn't the typical finance person. They knew that I wasn't really wired for that in the long run. And I would just ignore it because I was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. This is what I, I put myself in a box. I think most people didn't. Um, they saw that I was more, more geared towards seeing people and curious about people, what drives them and um, what lights them up. Um, and so whenever I would show up in a room around, you know, finances, the numbers, sure, I'd go through all the numbers and get that all taken care of. But ultimately, I was always curious about like, how it impacted people, how people felt, um, how it you know, what, did, what are the things that were really on their minds? And it's not typical for that to be the, the case. Even for a quiet leader, it doesn't mean that I was quiet all the time. It just means that what I would present as was not necessarily the, you know, bravado of like jumping in and always being like yelling, but more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with people and seeing them more fully as one-on-one. -on -one. That was the thing that was really important to me is having good, solid one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and showing them that I really deeply see them and care about them. Again, very odd for a finance person to be saying this, <laughs> but throughout all my years, people would come to me for advice because of that, because they knew that I would help them and I'd really care about what was important to them. Do you, do you think there's a difference between being an introvert or a quiet leader and having empathy and some emotional intelligence with people. I don't think that they're, um, that they're, and you can be empathetic and um, emotionally intelligent and still be an extrovert and, you know, um, what have you. I would say that there's definitely a strong um, correlation with quiet, quiet leaders because of the fact that there's an element of their observational ability to see people more deeply, um, the slowing down and really kind of taking in, you know, what they say, the whole, you know, when you listen more deeply, you're able to feel more deeply too. And I think that where a lot of the, um, the power comes from. I was having a conversation with someone earlier today that um, how, how do people, cause I, you know, I've worked with intensely quiet introverts who are completely heads down and, 
as, as an observer like I am, you know, you can see what they're doing and what's going on, but maybe they don't necessarily give the feedback to their peers that, because they're so consumed inwardly. So there does seem to be a distinction around whether that's, that covers the shyness bit or, you know, or something else. It's just, there's a difference between being comfortable and having courage in yourself that you can then step in and talk to people and share your voice and share your opinions. I just love how you brought that because that's something I hadn't really thought about. And I think that's such a powerful insight. It's really, to me, starting to kind of unlock this element of like, you know, where is the limitation of, uh, you know, what are the things that really need to be worked on is the ability to, um, to have that introspection but also to be able to know when you need to turn that introspection out and start to really connect because emotional intelligence, maybe you're in tune with yourself, but you have to also, and in tune with others, but you have to be able to have the vehicle to share that. It's like if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, did it fall in the woods? Whether that's knowingly or unknowingly, some people are very yeah. comfortable with heads down and don't want to know what else is going on. Whereas uh, people like you and I just, you know, it's, it's something else, whether it's somebody with a bigger mission or, you know, whatever that is. And yeah, it's just an interesting observation that's come about this week. Mm. I want to share just a quick story about this that I, you know, I think demonstrates this really well. And one of the things about quiet leadership that I, that we haven't talked about, but I wanted to mention too, is that it psychological safety, which is something that I, you know, that I'm big on. The um, thing about psychological safety is it's so important um, to foster that, to make quiet leaders really come out and shine. But to give an example of, you know, one um, story that really has been powerful, is like seeing um, like a drug development program come to life where, you know, a scientist that really, you know, champion this, this, um, this clinical trial to happen, it becomes really, um, you know, comes along pretty far. And then you have the commercial leader who says, okay, you know, it's time for us to call a close to that particular program. But the scientist who's sitting at the table and says, well, you know, if we, if we change the program a little bit, we could actually make this thing a viable program. Um, but the commercial leader, you know, very stereotypically comes in and says, no, it's time to put a close to this and let's just end it. Um, so there's this kind of fighting between the quiet leader who says, well, I know what we can do to make this work. And this person who's saying, no, let's close it, you know, and there's a lot of this arguing between the two different, um, two different heads. So what happens oftentimes is that scientists will end up at some point just recoiling and saying, okay, I do know the answer. I mean, I've, you know, I'm the one intimately involved with that clinical trial but defers to the louder voice who's gonna, you know, say, okay, that plays out all the time, but I've, that's, that's a real scenario that I've seen play out. Um, whether it's right or wrong, it's just unfortunate that sometimes we don't allow that um, person to really have that voice fully heard. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen that too. Um, and certainly within uh, large organizations, disparate organizations where 
and particularly over the last year where everyone's working remotely where you know suddenly it goes oh that's just going to be too difficult we'll just do our own thing so you you end up creating more distinction more separation between the layers of the organization and particularly where you're working at a frenetic pace you know trying to get the product over the line or you know get the team together or oh hold on a minute we've suddenly got all these new objectives set down from way up over here um, and so it becomes more separated so yes mm. absolutely and I think there's feels also to me around that communication and that understanding self you know when your back's against the wall as a leader if I'm if I'm extrovert or introvert it doesn't matter but considering having that strategic thought and that foresight to go okay well maybe that's not right and we have to take an educated decision or commercial decision that we've got to get it over the line, you know, allowing all thoughts on the table. I can see more of that happening, certainly, as people start to enter back into the office and then, you know, converge again with everything that's going on around the world. So the work you're doing now, you're coaching, you know, leaders in this space. Do you talk a lot about the distinction between introversion, extroversion, or the quiet leadership piece? Um, yeah. So right now the coaching I'm doing is there's a lot of different people come into the door, but it's really, um, you know, working with quiet leaders for sure. Um, but sometimes it's just, they're not necessarily just the quiet leaders. they are also people who are accomplished leaders who have come to this place in their lives that are, you know, they're not feeling fulfilled. They, they feel stuck. They feel like I've made all these things happen in my life, but there's something missing. And I don't know what I need to make that picture complete. And I think about it from the perspective of, and so I'm writing this book that is due out very soon. Uh, but I shouldn't say writing. It's, um, it's in the editing stage now. So uh, that's the, the beautiful part now. Hopefully it'll be a, a good edit. Um, but the, the book is called Climbing the Right Mountain, and it really has to do with those people who have come to that top of the, the mountain and realized, gosh, I don't love the, what, what have I have turned out to be. Like, I don't love where I am. The view is not what I expected it to be. And I liken it to the fact that, you know, people think when you get to that summit that happiness will happen, it just arrives, and then I'm happy. But we got to climb in a different way. We have to climb the right mountain by really you know, changing the course and the way we climb. And so um, that's what I see a lot of the accomplished leaders who are coming along that path, but they have to change why they're doing what they do, you know, choosing the right end to be, um, to be working towards. Um, and it's not to say that you shouldn't want big things. I mean, gosh, we should all be striving for whatever is going to light us up and really keep us going. But it's about choosing it for the right reasons for you. And only for you. So yeah, I, I love that metaphor. Where you found now your passion and your voice in this space, how have you found it leaning into that much more? How are you finding le leaning into that when you are a quieter person who's done multiple careers and now you're finding this next next stage? I think it's a beautiful question because of the fact that there's an element of when I feel like I'm getting off course, I have to um, come back to what I'm doing, my why for what I'm doing and, um, and also how I'm doing it. Um, and so that comes down to this element of, you know, how am I showing up? Why, you know, like there's this being that 
you know, I need to be connected to what, how I'm being in the moment. Um, because <laughs> I've always been in this doing mode for my, all my life where I'm constantly moving, 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 moving. The world expects me to do this. So I keep on striving for more and more and more. And so that being is so important for me now because it gets me to the place where I'm stopping my addiction to doing and getting into the place of, of slowing down and being more intentional about what I do so that it's aligned with my mission of really helping people to find that fulfillment. So that's what gets me back on the right track. I talk about intention a lot mm. um, and more than the why, and you touched on it there, more than why you're doing it, but what are you going to do? next you could you could have all these ideas but unless you're focusing on one thing it's a bit like that scattergun approach isn't it it's nothing's gonna land yeah and oh it's funny you mentioned that because there's an element of like there are so many options always but it's it's really thinking about what is the next thing that really um has me feeling called to do next you know there's always going to be options but um you know again this comes to that doing versus being for a moment here to say what does my like soul kind of call me to do? And I know that seems very like, ooh, out there, but it's true. There's an element of things that pull you towards it. And that's what you, you want to do. So I'll give you a quick example to say, like, oftentimes there's an element of like, oh, should I do a TED talk? Should I do a book? Or should I do this? Or should I do that? There's so many shoulds, but what is it that I'm called to do right now? And maybe that means, you know, I'm called to take a break and go on an adventure. And that's going to be what's going to help me to show up more powerfully for the people who I need to serve. Is that something you've learned to do? Because as a, as a quieter, and I, and I recognize this because it's so easy for me to go into my head and it's all in here rather than you know, actually doing anything. So is that something you've learned to do? Yeah. And, and still learning. I mean, I think there's an element of um, never quite getting to that destination. It's a, it's an ongoing um, journey to get there. So you have to constantly be checking with yourself. Okay. You know, now I've got to slow down and make sure I'm listening to that voice that is there. I, I often say about like, cause intuition is something that comes up a lot on my show, my virtual campfire and just in general in conversations, intuition is a beautiful gift, but it doesn't just arrive. You have to build a muscle of intuition. It comes from experience of doing things throughout your life that shows up and says like, now I've been informed, my intuition's smart now, and it knows what it's pulling me towards. So my, now I'm more informed about how that's directing me and what not to do. So give us an example then, because if someone's listening to this and they're going, intuition, yeah. what are you talking about? But I know I'm, I'm quiet, I'm introverted. What are your guide ropes? What are your warning signs? Yeah. Well, that's a great, it's a great question. So, you know, there's an element of social media being like this, um, the big noisy place. And it is, um, there's an element of like, you know, wanting to show up and, and share, um, uh, you know, videos or all of this content and be like everybody else. Right. What I've come to see is that you really have to do what you want to do, what really speaks to you first. So when it comes to like developing content or sharing a message, like if it doesn't come to you, if it's not your message, if it's not something that makes you excited, then don't do it. Then don't do it. You know, that's the, that's the, the moral story. So for me, what I've come to do is that I started to kind of see that I was 
you know, kind of caught up in this rat race of, oh, put the messages out there, put everything out there. And then I started to slow down and say, I want to do less. But when I do something, I want to make sure it's a message that I feel called to do. So it's that understanding of when you're almost like crossing that boundary of expectation rather than that drive and that intuition that that feeling when you know it's it's just feels a bit uncomfortable yeah I love the way you put it because that was a really good um like the cherry on top of what I was getting at and just seeing that it's that expectation that you have that you're kind of pulling back from and saying I don't have to do it like that I can do whatever I'm called to do and whatever I'm most comfortable doing and when I do it that way my authentic self will show up when you've talked about your your different careers throughout and you, mm-hmm. sometimes it's you've shown up and that's you and then it maybe feels uncomfortable later and then you sort of re- recognize that and then you go and do something else mm-hmm. is that something do you think that people try and test over the years because mm-hmm. not everyone knows what that is particularly when you start as a young career high flyer wanting to find your mark yeah. in the world yeah you know what you said made me think of this that this element of you're going to get it wrong along the way and that's okay it's all part of integrating those pieces and making it into um, something that you can be proud of my authentic self is all those things they just were different um, different parts of the the butterfly you know becoming whole yeah i mean i think there's i said that i was a square peg in a round hole when i was but at the same time I think for me, it was a necessary journey along a path that made me who I am today. I don't have any regrets. I think it was all meant to be. Sure, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and definitely a lot of uh, hurt, but um, I'm glad I took those little turns along the way. I can't remember the exact words, but I've been reading a lot this week that those who face adversity will struggle will come out the richest because you can turn there's a gift in something about turning that and being able to lean into it and go, actually, I really want to do this. I I love that. And I think the biggest thing about it is how you integrate it because there's an element of like, if you run away from that past and say, Oh my God, I can't believe I, that part that past me was, I did that. That was so wrong. That was so bad. I hated who I was before. And you just turn your blind eye to it and you say, okay, I'm just going to move forward and do something different. And it's just, chalk that up to a big old mistake and then move forward. That sounds um, great, but it's not. Um, Because the best thing you can do is to look at that and say, what have I really learned? How can I embrace that? Um, When you embrace your past, you can move forward powerfully. When you ignore your past, it haunts you for the rest of your life. We'll share your three top tips, Tony, for people who feel they're an introverted leader or a quiet leader, perhaps want to find their own voice, their own way, or their next stage? Yeah. So one of the first things I think about is, what do you stand for? I mean, really understand what you stand for. You know, when you understand the things that you are willing to to go to bat for with all conviction, those are the things that your voice will, will be willing to raise for. When it comes to things that you have less vested interests, those are fights not worth fighting. Um, and your energy is not going to be put towards that. So I think that's one thing that I'm always, you know, getting people to think about is, um, what's most important to you and also start to recognize where in the past have you had your strengths truly show up? What are your superpowers? 
you know, what are the things that people have recognized in you that you haven't really noticed that you just ignored or just passed over? Because so many quiet leaders, they just don't, they don't see themselves fully. I think most people don't see themselves fully. Mm. Take some time to reflect on that. Where have I been showing up that people have noticed? And how can I take that and use that as a tool to move forward? And one of the last ones I guess I'll, I'll use is, uh, is, um, is that expand your vision, narrow your focus, which I love. Um, when you feel as though you're, you know, know the path forward, just step away and look at what all other options are there. Uh, you know, when you step away and you look at what lights you up, then you can move forward from a place of real um, energy towards one particular thing and focus on that. And that's going to give you some, you know, real ideas as to how to put your energy towards mm-hmm. something that's going to move you forward. Energy is so important. Don't spread it too thin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Tony. Really enjoyed the conversation. I could talk for hours. <laughs> Me too. I love this. This is great. Co-creation at its best. Thank you for listening. I love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more. I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me. 